0: This podcast is brought to you by G.A. Sports.
1: G.A. Sports is home of the O'Connor Slitty, Ireland's number one hurling ball used by 311 clubs nationwide. Hello and you're welcome to this week's uh, Backdoor Football Show. Delighted to be joined by Merrick McHugh and Johnny McGee. Firstly, lads, great news that the G.A. is coming back. Um, Merrick, what's your thoughts as a Kilcare club player that is coming back?
0: Yeah, it's great. It's 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 a tricky one. Part. You know, it's good. It's good in one sense, and it's, um, it's slightly worrying in another sense. Everything was going on. We don't really have guidelines exactly of the way it's going to be run yet. Uh, we don't have. There's going to be a lot of players that are going to find themselves under pressure. I think uh, have to play, and they might have people at home that's vulnerable underlying conditions and how Much pressure will come on them, people it's not really fair on them, but it's it's it, it, it is positive that we have some sort of return to play. Um, the whole club, the whole club v. County thing is going to be a bit tricky. There's this date set about the 14th of September, like, um, that the country players can't train, like, that's not going to be a here too. Like, uh, we have a date already every year that is the 1st of December that we team can train and that's not a here to so how strictly is it going to be enforced or how is it going to be managed I, I don't know um, so I think a lot a lot of pressure especially with clubs coming back first is going to come up on county players and in a way I don't think it's going to be fair because I've been on both boats Say I've been a county player and a club player and I've seen the I've seen players be pulled and dragged by, by different managers, and sometimes it's not fair, and it's pressure coming on them from, obviously, they want to be on the county panel, then it's pressure coming on the clubs that they have to be at every single training session for, for championship season, they have to do this and they have to do that. And my view, the way things are looking, um, it's going it's, to, it's, it, it, could, it could end up, if somebody's going to get a bad, a bad injury, and if, if, if any injury happens this year, it's just going to be, um, it's, they're nearly gone because the, the time frame is so short. But I heard today that they're thinking of putting back the All-Ireland Championship maybe to the start of November and playing a bit of the league, which I think is probably better because it takes a wee bit more pressure off that short time frame that people are saying that the championship's going to start in October and they've only two or three weeks of training. So it's, it's, it's like this whole virus and it's like um, everything, it changes every week. Um, so when we we'll sit down to chat maybe next week or the week after, it could be a whole different story. But it's positive and it gives everybody that benefit that football's coming back and returning to normal.
1: And Johnny, one big issue you would find, obviously, county teams are going to go back under the cosh, um under the slide, and it's it's, it's going to happen. But say in Kilmercourt, you get to a county final and... Even a good few now involved with Dublin. Obviously, Paul Mannion, Keno Sullivan, Darren Mullen uh, a few more Rory O'Carroll as well. Say them lads are training with Dublin leading up to a county final. Like you need all your players to be training leading up to a county final, and I think that's going to be a big issue.
2: Yeah, look, I suppose it, there has to be a clear a clear roadmap um, from uh, from C- Crow Park down in relation to the, how when the club players are allowed to go back to county and uh, now they've been told that it's club only um but obviously you, look we all know that look that's not being adhered to um that like the word is that there's other counties back training and, and their pods are four and there's other rumors that counties are training their 215s and stuff so it's it's hard to to see where where this is going to work unless there's specific guidelines and as what mark lives there that they push it back out um and extend the period, and you have all the scenario that's happening in Wexford at the moment, where um they only give them three and a half weeks to play both both championships. So like they've been given eleven weeks to run off their two champ cl- in and football championships, and now it's been brought back to you know three and a half weeks for both for seven weeks. You know so there's a lot of big rumblings going on in there. Um, half Wexford man myself and my mother's from Wexford. Um, a lot of my family down there and. Actually, I was on a phone call today and uh, one or two that are involved down there, That they're, they're not happy at all and there's talk about, you know, they're, they're sending letters because they're, they're going to play group games and there's no option to probably only play two or three games max and then that's it then, their year is over. So, you know, you, ha- you have on one hand where county manager saying, like, this does a matter about the all Irelands, And then you find out then that they're, they're looking to squash the championship to three and a half weeks, you know. It's not it's not fair at all, you know, um, so I, I'm hoping it to be a clear guideline. And the thing is, we've Mark have been in that boat playing club and county, players should not have to choose one over the other. And that's where it should be, it should be made quite clear to the players who they need to be with um, and when they're allowed to go back to the county. Um, they should run the, the club championships off give the opportunity to play with their clubs um, and that, uh, you know, and that strict guidelines of if anyone's breaching that, then then look, let's see where, where it lands. But look, it's, it is hard, like county players want to play county football, but they also want to play with a club. So it's, the, it's a balancing act, but it's not fair to, to put those players in that position to make calls where they're expected to train with the club and then expected to train with the county, you know, and you know, that fear of not playing, not being picked for your county team because, you you, you know, you might have missed a session because you're doing a club session in preparation for a county semi-final or final, so I think uh, strict guidelines need to come down from the top, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's really just showing, Mick, um, how much county managers have, say, like, they're, they're really dictating and the GA are kind of probably going to have to stand up to them. And then briefly, um, the Tyrone uh, Championship, they've structured it very well. Um, a couple of league games in before the Championship. And I suppose that's kind of a good idea because teams are going to need maybe one or two league games leading into Championship.
0: Yeah, I um, agree. Uh, I think Tyrone actually probably said a sensible thing and they put uh, they put a few different options back out to the clubs for a vote nearly and um, that's the way the way they came to their. Conclusion, but like Johnny was saying, what's happening? In Wexford, like that's not fair to all the club players. Uh, they're really just dis- just dis- their the club championship if they're doing that three and a half weeks. Basically, it's telling them that they're going to get ready for their for their county teams and um, county managers are like they're under they're, they're under a huge amount of pressure and they, their their job is to, to one games and one other thing and. And I suppose for county boards, the biggest source of revenue is the county teams. And uh, well, I know that's that's the way in Donegal, but um, it's, it, it, it's 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 a tricky one. Johnny is dead right. It's, no player should be put in a position that he has to choose over his club and county. But you know, I, I read a I read an an, an interesting article. Like Caharo Kane wrote um, about club club rugby. Like it's, it's obviously nobody knows about club rugby within Ireland now, but like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, that was huge. There were six, seven thousand people at club rugby matches in the north and up in Donegal. And what happened was the big the big stars stopped playing for their for the, their clubs. So we're, we're we're at a stage in Donegal like where we might be lucky to have our, our county our county players for five, six league matches out of the eighteen like, you know and have them for championship. But Supporters want to go watch county players. It's like anything; they want to go watch the best, Um, and they have to find some sort of balance. It's probably not going to happen this year because of the short period of time. But the way some counties are showing the favor towards the county teams is not good. Like because at the end of the day, ninety-eight percent of the population of the playing population in Ireland are club players. Mm. Like you know, two percent are the the elite as they call it, that, that that are lucky enough to play be able to play for the county. But ninety eight percent trumps two percent every day and they have to look after them players because especially in an amateur sport where where that is the grassroots of our game. Um the volunteers, the you know, the the, the water the water boys, the tea ladies, the people train, uh, cleaning the dress rooms, that's what that's what the G is about. Um and you know, you can't forget about that. If, if it's a professional sport, it's different. If money's involved, and people are getting paid, and that's different. But at the minute, we're not there. So um, I think this is a this is an opportunity, probably, for the GA to really concentrate on clubs. And even though they say they are county boards, now have to probably stand up. Um, I think I think Wexford may have um, maybe Johnny may agree with me. jumped the gun a wee bit because the guy is not out from from Pro Park yet. I don't think. We're, we're still waiting here in Donegal. Um I agree about the league matches. Uh I don't think any competition, especially this year, should be knock because you just can't give you can't give one team uh, you know, that's maybe had two or three clubs some club teams out. I'm just taking my own. We've maybe had two or three seasons like and just to have for one game that you could get beaten, that's not fair on anybody. Um so yeah, even you have a few league matches. We will chat up here about a regional league that you play, that you know, you play teams that are neighbouring you and stuff like that. And I kind I of agreed with that. But they're looking, the river's up here, and there's going to be two groups of eight, and they're changing different formats. I don't think we need to change the whole pile, just maybe play a few, even if they are glorified challenge matches, just to get ready for championship. Play your normal group stages, but um, I think it, what most counties are doing and say, well, seem to be doing is just waiting for maybe things to come from Cork. Maybe they know, maybe they already know and we don't, don't, don't have it. Um, again, this time next week things will be a lot, a lot clearer. A lot happens in one week.
1: And Johnny, like take Dublin for instance, Cork, Goy, all dual counties. It's going to be much harder for them to run off if you take Dublin. You have Kilmacord, Kula, Vincents, like a lot of dual clubs.
2: There's going to be a lot harder for the dual counties as well, yeah. No, absolutely. Look, I suppose, like, we're looking well, in Chemical, we're looking in the sense that look, um, we there's we've only well, one dual player on the panel, um, so there's almost a crossover, so we're looking in that sense. But there's a lot of other clubs in the situation where you know they might have uh, a county player, a county hurler, and you know, if he if they run off they hurl the hurling championship and then he's ex- he's expected he might be still playing for the, the club. Football team, you know, but is he going to be expected to go and train with the Kennedy team and forget about playing for his club for football or vice versa? So it's a, it's going to be a balancing act. I agree with Mark. There should be kind of a league for a couple of league games put in or whatever the case may be, or you know, certain challenges that teams can play to because it's not fair to just jump, throw a team in, and, and away you go and play your play championship match. It's, it's not fair. So I think, yeah it all boils back down to is getting the this fixture plan uh that had been spoken about um from crow park and the cpa like before this happened the cpa and the and crow park had you know cpa pulled out of i think um they were on some board in relation to the fixtures and because crow park weren't uh taking on board their recommendations so like that so they they stepped away from that fixture committee as far as i'm aware so like that's a key thing for the uh, ga uh body going forward for club and county that definitely uh are format uh time frame for club and for county and then it's clear course as precise do you split into two seasons but it's it's clear, it's precise, and it's to you know encourage everything. So the, the thing is, like, you've got so many avenues between, you know, the guys who are playing college football, they want to play their Sigerson or their, their Fitzgibbon, and then you roll rolling in then uh, about lads looking to play bourne cups and all this kind of stuff in their provincials. Look, let's be honest. The, the provincials are are, are are dead up. Ah, uh, bare bar for uh, Ulster, in my opinion. Ulster is probably the best contested provincial, uh, you know, uh, football in in the country. And but in terms of the other Connacht, you know, Connacht, Munster, you know, Leinster definitely not Leinster and Munster, in my opinion. Connacht maybe a little bit more competitive, but like there's for me you know, this is where it all boils back down to, you know, sufficient enough of games for, for teams to play in at their own level. Uh, we proper fixture list. And I think that's where it would, would help benefit the dual end or the, the Hurling or dual G- G- player, you know.
1: Meg, do you think it's fair for county managers to leave these players alone until September fourteenth, if the championship isn't going to start until November, do you think that's fair for just county lads to let lads focus on their club?
0: Um, it's probably like it's it's I don't know if fair the right word. It's um not going to happen, but um, because if, if if a certain county does that, they're already losing like, you know, they're already behind. They're a month behind or they're two months behind their opposition. Like Donegal play for in the championship. And if you tell me that Donegal don't train to September fourteenth or or, or, or or either way, Toronto don't train to September fourteenth. The, the the team that doesn't train is going to be a month behind because it's, it's 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 happening, like it's not it's not it's it's not a secret like, you know. Um and it's the same thing as I said earlier on about, you know, the first the first of December, no team trains. Like, you know we all know we see country teams training October, November, if it's in the gym, collectively. It's supposed to be rest month, but it just doesn't happen like um and it's never been enforced, like nobody's ever got a bad either suspension or a van. It's just really kinda of slap and mask kinda of stuff and then to move on. Um but if you're a county player, you know and especially I I I I only can speak for ourselves, like in Donegal, where we have a chance probably of a real chance of succeeding like you know this year I spoke of, spoke a few weeks ago that I was really excited about Donegal's prospect and they know probably within that group that they're in that they have a chance to win on All-Ireland so you know if, 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 if you have that, if, you, if you're if you in that position you're going to want to do everything you can to win All-Ireland even if it is a completely different All-Ireland series this year but there you know there's, there's players in that, within that squad you know that are pushing on that might not be playing next year that, that they know that that group of, that group of players they have. It's probably the same in, in Kerry. It could be the same in Galway. You know, teams really, Monaghan, thrown that, that can think, you know, because of the way things are this year, Dublin is it a level playing field because they haven't played games. We don't know where they're at. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not fair. If you're, a, if you're a county player, you're going to want to play for your county team. You know, you're going to going to do everything you can to get that jersey between 1 and fifty. That's that's a great thing about playing county. Um, it's it's not fair that the J. You know the, the fixtures have put people in positions. Over the last number of years, we've seen about Sigursson. We've seen about uh, choosing between you know Sigurdsson final and your club. We've seen uh, different you know choosing between hurling and you know everything should be sorted. It's not, I know, listen, it's probably it's, it's 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 um it's it's very very hard to get right, but it's as Paul it, it, as Johnny says like. You know, they, they should in They should definitely listen to the club, the, the CPA, in my opinion. Like they had some good ideas. I thought going forward um, like again, we speak about this month of April that was supposed to happen the last two, the last two years. You know how how, how strictly was that? I hear to like so. Until the GA start probably enforcing these rules really really strongly and really getting given big consequences, it's never going to be uh, never going to be resolved in my view. But um. It's 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 just going to be funny to see how everything plays out, and um, as long as somebody, you know, you know, I I just locked down my own club, like we have Ryan, uh, Patrick, Owen, and Andrew McLean, who are on the panel at the time, and you know, it's 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 going to be, it's going, you know, we Kalkar will be, we've a good enough chance, you know, we we're one of the top teams in Donegal, and we have a chance of winning maybe uh, county championships as well. What happens coming though that? Our championship runs on to the end of September, start of October, and their whole team must be back to him since the fourteenth. Collectively, you know they will be pulled and dragged. And it's not fair, but that's true. So, hopefully, as I said, Donegal have not come out with any um, pictures yet. So I might know more after that. But at, uh, at the, I, I just know twenty players are going to be called and dragged like every year because I was pulled and dragged. Um, and I'm sure if you chat to Ronnie, called and dragged between your club, and they are put under pressure to. to to play both, like and 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 to be, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's the, the normal club player that hasn't been involved doesn't quite understand it maybe, and especially the supporters within your club don't understand it that you're not playing a club match for a specific reason, and um, that can be hard.
1: Johnny, as you alluded, provincials are dead ducks apart from Ulster. Really, do you think it's time for this All Ireland Championship for the Inter-County scene? to make
2: it like a champions league format people have talked about it we've got eight groups of four teams yeah look I I I would be a favorite you know it gives an opportunity of you know teams to, to to play more than two games you know if for example if you're being in the provincial you go in the back door and you lose again you've two games you like the best the best competitions at the moment is the league football the teams are playing at their own level and the, the games that are, you're watching, uh, or that you read about, are they're on the same level, and in terms of entertainment and, and uh, value for money, it's the best competition we have. So for me, is there like it could be done as a Champions League format? I've I've I've, I've i pitched that before when I was manager Wicklow that you know at least it guarantees teams uh, more than two games in the summertime. So like there, I alluded it before where you know we got. Training Wicklow from say November, um, and all the way to July or sorry June, and then they don't come together again until the following no- November October, you know. So you're five months away, after spending the guts of or five or six months away, you have to spend the guts of like nine nine months trying to get the lads ready and stuff so but well, johnny you know,
0: johnny, you, johnny you shouldn't have been turning to december no, i you know we, now, december. we were allowed,
2: we were allowed, <laughs> we were allowed don't worry <laughs> whatever we were not there early enough which is unfortunately that's the thing so it depends now when you're knocked out it gives you a guideline on when to go back so we were allowed back uh end of october november so you know and then you spend from not from say from them november december january february march april may june Eight months getting the lads, and the lads will be at their best because it's taken so long. Because from so when we're knocked out in say June, so July, August, September, October, November. You know what I mean, so you're another five months away from playing an an official game. No, so you're five months from training together as a group, and then another two months on top of that before you have an official competition, which is your born cup. So seven months without playing a competition for a team, how are you meant to progress a team or, you know, and that was was my argument, is that how can you improve players, how can you expect to improve our teams who are only getting two matches in the summertime and then it's seven months later before they play an official GA game together as a group, and how are you meant to entice players to stay and play county football? So that's where my issue is, is that there has to be some sort of, some proper proper fixtures that that, that as a hair and proper uh proper carrots for, for for teams to to our play. And the Champions format will will give that, you know, you can have a two-tier well like this thing of you know what have what tier for one tier one or tier two, you know, if, if there's some sort of character, if you're say you're split it into the top sixteen and then the next sixteen. And say, for example, if you were to, you know, win the the, the second 16, you go, in, you go into the All-Ireland Series for next year. You know, there's all these different ways of doing it. So, of course, it has to be so tangible, you know, where do you, where do you have an well, a knockout for the length, provincial, that's a chance to get to progress that way. And then you go into a backdoor system, but you play in a in Champions League format then where you're guaranteed at least five games or something like that. You know, something, that gives them gives, gives them more than two games, and you know not having to wait seven months to play an official match again, you know, and that's that's the big thing, you know. When you're trying to sell, trying to sell the players, you know, come on, look, you know, it's very hard to sell something to a player that he can't see. So, like, it's very easy for say Desi Farrell, you know, or Tony Gall, where they've got quality footballers, and look, we have a chance to win the provincial, we have a chance to win in Ireland. It's very easy to sell when when just when it's when you can see it, where the county has been relatively successful, but it's very hard to sell something that you might believe that you could change or, you know, and that's the thing, you know, it's going to have something tangible that, that can benefit player or teams going forward and that they're playing consistently and you're not waiting seven months. But then it goes back to the fixture list and clubs and everything else. So it's a huge, huge headache, um, you know, and I don't envy the, the, the guys trying to solve the problem. but. I refer back to like at this moment in time. Uh, I think is uh, Crowe Parker bringing out, are, are looking to do a new culture format in relation to the benefit of club players and about club, um, and that's due to be, be, be rolled out over the next coming months about the value of club and everything else. So, and that's coming from the top down. So it'll be interesting to see what way this plays out over the over the next year or two. I'm hoping for the for the benefit of club. Um, which will uh, then obviously benefit County in my, in my opinion and you're not going to lose players to different sports then or your players want to give up because of they're being pulled and dragged you know
1: yeah that's a very valid point just finally touching on this like it's no wonder say the better players from the weaker counties are going travelling on J1s or opting out if they're only going to be guaranteed two games like Johnny said really yeah yeah
0: Tell you, I, I've said it on numerous occasions. Like, um, and, and the way the way the fixtures are at the minute, and Johnny's Johnny's hundred percent right. Like, um, there's going to be more and more. We're going to lose. Like, you, I would imagine we're losing players at the minute. We don't even realise, you know, underage players to different sports. Um, but we're going to be losing. Like, do you take the Leinster Championship? For, 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 for the, you know, it is a dead rubber. Uh, there's no real competition, in it. like, but if you, if you're from Longford or Whitlow or Me, then you know for for a fact that you have no chance of winning this. You you don't have a chance of winning anything basically. And the commitment they're putting in is the exact same commitment as say the Dubliners coming in, the Kerry's, the Donegal's, Goals. Um, and and they're not really getting a, a lot out of it. And they're, as, as I said, they've been pulled and dragged. Something. Why wouldn't they go off? You know, they're they're good enough players. They may make a few pounds in America. They may want to just travel the world. And I, you can't blame them because the commitment these days of an intercardi footballer is crazy. Like, it's seven days a week. It's a full time job. They're away from their families. They're away from their, their. their you know, they, it affects their work life. It affects their education if they're in school. And um, because of because of the serious commitment and. What, what is at the end of the tunnel for them, you know? Um, it, it, yes, it's an honour. It's an honour to wear your county jersey. But once, once you've done that and, and you say, you know, where is this going? And until, uh, you know, I just can see more and more players from them kind of counties. You know, you take the Leinster, the, the, the Connacht, or the, the Munster, the Monster Championship as well. Why, what, what makes them players just maybe step away and say, I can't just get the command this year. And then another five of them say I can't give the commitment next year, and it just it just leaks down, and you know. But the, the biggest problem I think in the day is um, when it comes to fixtures is is, is interprovincial um, boards. You know, the Ulster Council, you have the Connacht Council. And these are adamant in keeping their um, keeping their, their own provincial championships, and until until they step aside and say no, you're not going to have your championship format, you're not going to have. Um, the whole redefine of, of fixtures because they need their day in the sun too. I suppose for a bit of revenue and for and for different different things, but it's probably clear to see that at the minute it's only kind of two. And well, in the football anyway, um, it's two two championships really that are the iconic championships, competitive and Ulster Championship, where the Leicester Championship and the Champions last few years have just been um, you know, spin carry and, and Dublin dominated, like, and it's. And it's it's it, it was it's not looking like it's going to change either in the next say four or five years for them two teams. So um, until you know until there's an agreement reached that you know it's, it's great saying okay get rid of the Championship because it's but it, it's just not going to happen as easy as that easy. Exactly. We're
1: going to move on now and talk a bit about um, Kildare football, and um, we could nearly talk all day about the club and county so many issues available. But, Johnny, you obviously came up against Kildare and their neighbours. What kind of game did you expect? Obviously, Kildare got to the final in 98. They were a strong team. What kind of game did you expect then from them?
2: Um, well, look, Kildare were always... Um, they're a good footballing team and um, would always work very hard. And were, the one thing they were always... Uh, where They were very fit, fit you know, um, and would always, you know... Test you in relation to your fitness and and, and, and going to the very end, you know. I suppose like you know, I, I was involved in the panel in ninety eight when the betters and then um, played then obviously in the two thousand uh, final and replay. Um. So and then we bet them in two thousand two, but like you know, th- those Clare that Clare team of that era, where where you know you got some some good footballers and you got some very good. Uh, 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 leaders within the group, you know, you had to look at Glen Ryan, Anthony Rainbow, Brian Lacey, these guys, you know, uh, that were were always leading from the front. And uh, you had Johnny, young Johnny Doyle, uh, as well. He was coming onto the scene, so it was all you're always expecting a uh, physical, fast game of football, uh, because they were always extremely fit. Um. So yeah, look, there were there were some some great battles we had over the years, you know.
1: And Mac, you obviously had a great battle with them in 2011. Um, Kevin Cassidy's wonder point to win the game. Um, that was some game to be involved in.
0: Yeah, it was an unbelievable game to be involved in, actually. Um, it was one of the most grueling and uh, tense games I think, I, I was ever involved in. It was a great way to end it for us, I anyway. But, uh, yeah, till there, I suppose we had played, played them in the league earlier that year and I think we kind of focused on that, okay, Johnny Doyle, but take them out of it. They hadn't, While you know, the building, wild while good scoring forward and um, they were all very strong powerful quick men, as Johnny said there. And I don't know if their jerseys were say small or medium, but they all, they just looked like a bigger team than anybody else. And we played them up in the Kenny and we kind of, we, we just focused obviously on Johnny Doyle to take him out of the match. And he said that after that, you know, after they come out that they, they can't score, and, and they only did, they only scored um, they scored 1-5 like, to 8 points, that was the final score that day they got a goal, and a point in the last match, um, so really they, throughout the game they had 4 points scored so we kind of had, we knew we, we knew this from from early on in the league, and we went out and a normal time that day, they, they, they only scored 10 points, now that was the year I suppose, 2011, where we were going through Position of of defensive football and uh, it, was, it was probably the hardest score against us anyway. But we felt like I remember Carl Lacey was down to Mark, uh, Mark Johnny Doyle, and they um Clare moved a uh, moved the player up from Wiener back to man Mark Carl uh, Lacey. So Frank McGlynn ended up picking him up, and Johnny Doyle didn't score that day. He, he, he actually missed. It's very unlikely He missed a, kind of a twenty yard free as well. Um, however, he got under his head, but um. We always felt that, you know, they were kind of, they just lacked at that time. They lacked a wee bit of quality up front. They were good, huge, powerful men that, as Johnny says, could run all day. But when it actually came to tidy wee corner forwards, they didn't have a wide highlight. So, uh, it was a lucky game. Looking back, you know, um, looking back in that game, um, either team, you know, they had chances to win it a normal time. then they went They went three points up at the start. Them, both of them, and we the score. They put them three up in the in extra time, and it just didn't look good for us. But uh, we 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 away, and we kind of uh, I think Donegal really we 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 found something in ourselves that day that we didn't think we actually have under under Guinness and it we it gave us a huge belief. And um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I remember, you know, just looking at a picture afterwards of John Gardner and he's like, how the hell did we lose that game? Like, you know, every, for the amount of times, especially for index their time, it's how they were three points up. But, um, they, um, I, I I side-watched them there, you know, last year actually against Donegal in the league as well. And they had a bit of the same problem, you know, with their, la- their forwards. I left at half-time that game because the game was over. Donegal were 11 or 12 points up in the league on Ballyshanet. Good, all, always good, big, strong men. Hey, but when it comes to just that—that that skillful, you know, people talk about Neil having the need for forwards, and I think Kildare could have done it. They had they had some quality supporters maybe throughout, you know, those last twenty years at, at different times, but they weren't all playing together. You know, you know John and Joy, then Niall Kelly came along, Daniel Flynn. Like if them boys were all playing together, it might have been different. But that's a, that's what I thought they were just lacking, and. I suppose it's very difficult, as we said, playing in the Leinster Championship at the minute this last last number of years. So um, you see, you see, you've seen players like Flynn, like Kelly, step away for a year or two, you know, because of um, different commitments. You know,
1: 2010, Johnny Kelly got to the Ireland semi-final. Obviously, Geezer really brought them on to a new level. Your Emmett Bowden, your Johnny Dolan, your Queenies. That
2: was a real uh, impressive Kildare team, but they probably feel like they should have got to the Ireland final that year in twenty ten. Yeah, no, I, like I was, for me, like I was just Mark was the spot on there. You know, is that they kind of have that there was not a, a lot of responsibility on those guys in relation to Johnny Doyle and Dermot Early. Um, you know, in relation to trying to get them across the line. Whereas I would you what would, would you find it, like they were very. At times, there were the backs were very good. I just sometimes it was just kind of, you know, it was either all or nothing, one way or all or nothing the other way. They didn't get the balance right in between the right head of attack because like they would have they've shift, shifted an awful lot of heavy defeats over the years and like Giza and Fairs like you know, he had that team well drilled and you know what a, I think it's just lacking that bit of extra quality, you know, where if you you know when you're looking at playing Dublin or like, right, okay, who are you going to look after? Well, you should look at Morphy or McFadden or, you know what I mean, like, just two or three players, whereas, like, they had, I felt Kildare always had one or two where you have, like, Johnny Doyle or somebody else, but after that then, you know, once you shut those two players down, that's where they would struggle to score. I think mean, that's the big thing for me, is where is they relied heavily on their athleticism and their fitness and, and how they went about playing and but something like with that, then with the running game that they play would leave themselves open at the back, end. And, and that's where they would have shifted an awful lot of defeats over over the last 20 years. Um, in relation to making that next step, you know. But, um, yeah, look, he's looking very close. And look, if you look at the length of the final, where um, what was it, double one point I was a point somewhere, Bernard got, got the free. And he last was minute free, uh, yeah. last minute free to win it, you know. I think it was his last semi-final or final, I'm sure. Um but yeah, and it wasn't a free. Um and he lost by a point. Um Burnett kicks it and that's how close they were to it. You know, would that would they have kicked down from it? Um probably would have got gained that, that bit of confidence, but look, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately, and, and uh it's unfortunate because like you'd always like there at times they show some flashes of brilliance but it's the consistency then of their play that, that's, that, that's been lacking. the inconsistency has been probably the biggest disappointment, I would say, from a Cader's fan's point of view, you know, um, over the last 20 years, you know.
1: Yeah, and obviously, Mark, they have a good account of themselves in the 2017 Leinster final. They lost two twenty three to one seventeen against Dublin, but that's a relatively close enough game against Dublin and Leinster. But... Um, they were competitive early on that day, and they showed signs, obviously, with Daniel Finn and foot forward, but they haven't really pushed on um, since that Leinster final, and do you think it's just a lack of belief uh, teams have in Leinster as well when they come up against Dublin? Um, yeah,
0: but I think Johnny, Johnny, Johnny really hit the nail on the head, hey, it's consistency. Like, you know, we spoke here about the so they have... Kill have it in them to have this big game or have this like we've seen what happened in Newbridge last year against Mayo. Um they um you know it's, 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 you know they they have that capability, but it's just putting it back to back. And I suppose we spoke with the same as Ross common, it's that belief, it's that confidence. Um I remember that game. That was a very that that game the game against Dublin and Leinster was it Leinster you said, was it? Yeah. Yeah, have to final. It was, um, it was a really good quality match for a long time, but Dublin were always just that better quality and they are going to pull away, but um, it's, it's the same you can say for a lot of teams, <laughs> but Kildare, I suppose, around that time you spoke we talking about, 2010-2011, they had their real chance and if they had succeeded and won something back then, you know, success does breed, uh, breed success. And a lot more people would have wanted to play for Kildare at that stage. The young people would have followed the team and then players would be playing now. But um, uh, it's just that we've got a consistency, you know, um, that they couldn't put it together, I suppose, over a full season, any time. You know,
2: I, fe- I felt... Dead.
0: Sorry, go on, Johnny. Sorry, I sorry,
2: congr- I felt that, no, that's a point. I just felt that Kildare went toe-to-toe with Dublin. For the early stages, but they, they continue to go toe to toe with Dublin, and that's where I felt they they lost it in relation to the the momentum they had. So you're not going to take Dublin on for that particular team on for seventy minutes, in my opinion. Um, where they were toe to toe them, where they should have, you know, managed the game a little bit better, and that's where you look at Dublin, where they can manage games, or the better the teams can manage games, they know you're not going, you know, you're not going to last full tilt for 70 minutes when you're taking on a big team like Dublin or, you know, one of the most athletic teams. And I think that's where that 17 f- final, they were they were competitive earlier on, but I I I was watch, I remember watching and I said, they're not going to last this pace here. And that's where you're finding where Dublin kind of, they, they can manage the game, they control it, where they can slow it down. You watch Dublin, they slow it down, they go backwards, they go sideways, and then when they see the gap, then they go, where it's like, Kallair was like, it was go, 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 and it was like, 100 miles an hour, and that's what, sorry for going across there, Mike, just to lose no, you know? you're 100%, Johnny,
0: you're, you're, you're completely right, like, and, um, just going back, said to that kind of that era that, that we were chatting about, about the, that was their best chance, definitely, under, under Giza, they had, you know, he would have matured a lot of work, but they just couldn't get over the line. 2010 against Down, you know, that that would be the one that they'd be kicking themselves, I think, big time. Um, but we spoke about the lag of like, It's funny, I was just thinking this earlier on, you know, there there might have been a reason why you know Shawnee Johnson that time you know, McGinny was looking for forwards. You know, he, you know the whole Shawnee Johnson for there thing. They you know, I said McGee wasn't far behind that. They needed forwards. James Cavanaugh, you know, he he was an uncle, another good a good forward. Um, Paul Crivens. It's just that they, I don't know. It's just that inside for forward threat that say the Michael Murphy, Pat and the Andy Moore, Bernard Brookes, you know. Column Cooper, these
1: kind of I that um, they, they lacked, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they showed flashes of brilliance on the Keene O'Neill. Obviously, Newbridge are nowhere stands out. But even Daniel Flynn, Niall Kelly, Paddy Brophy, they're great players and they can put in tremendous performances. But as Merrick alluded to, it was a great point there, they're lacking that ruthless uh, forward. Flynn and all these lads, they show. Flash is brilliant, but
2: they need forwards that can string it together consistently day in, day out, really, Johnny. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, like, they, for me, I think, you know, the, you know, you look at the under-20 All-Earning uh, uh, success two years ago, you know, and then, like, they've won, um, well, I think it's they won three of the last five Lancer titles, you know, which is, for me, there's your platform. There's, your, there's what you need to go after. There's a lot of young talent there. I think, you know, uh, Jack O'Connor, you know, w- I was looking forward to see how he was going to get on and hopefully you look, you know, we'll see how he get on with that kind of, because look, Jack being a carry man has that rootless streak in him. Maybe he will give him that root- bit of rootless streak that, that that's required because there's abundance of talent. There's no question about it. And I think, you know, where you look at other previous teams that have built on the success of... Either winning their provincial under twenty one or getting to an all Ireland under twenty final under on twenty one. You look at the Donegal team that Dublin bet uh, I think back when Rory, I think am not sure how many years ago that is. It 2009 or something. Not, not 2010, sure. 2010. Yeah, 2010. Yeah, like you know.
0: Great, great,
2: oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, but but you look at uh, the players that came from both teams from that, like you know went on to win all Ireland with both, with both of their counties. And, you know, it's no coincidence that, you know, as Mark alluded to, success, brief success. And I think that's where Kildare, you know, with the right man at, at the helm, you know, have a huge opportunity because there's a lot of talent there. And I think it's about harnessing that talent that they have been shown over the last five years. Because you look at it, they've won three of the last five of titles. so And they've won another 20 all Ireland two years ago. So those boys there are primed and ready you know to, to 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 be harnessed and i did if you can harness that like you know i think has the potential of being a sleeping giant but it's about how you know they manage i i would say dealing with being a the provincial i wouldn't look at the provincial i would say let's see how we go provincial but our aim is the other end. our aim is the peak for when we get to the All Ireland series, and that's the way I would look at it. If I if I'm a Killeary manager and I'm looking at I'm looking at the monster double five in a row and how many of titles in a row as well, I say well, okay. Well, look, let's 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 get these lads peaked and ready. Let's get them ready for for July. Let's get them ready for the All Ireland qualifier qualifiers. And that's your aim. That's that's where I would go after. Where you're you know, you're not gonna peak. You know, I wouldn't be looking to peak in a of final. I'd be looking to peak you know, the 40-downs line. And that's the way I, I would pr- I would prime that Colaird side. That'd be my own opinion, Paul. You know, when you're dealing with a monster like Dublin, you know, you're going to have to ask different questions. And I think that's the thing where too many teams, I felt, haven't asked Dublin that many questions. Barry Kerry, and Donegal. Outside of that, not too many teams. And, like, you know, you know like, being a dub, like, if I was manager, going going against the Dublin team, there's so many different things that you could try and push buttons and stuff. But then you're looking, then, obviously, you look, if you p- poke the bear with a bite back, but like, you know, there's, that's the other thing. Are you brave enough to go uh, on there? But like, you have to try and do something different now. They've won five in a bounce. So, like, that's the way I look at it, you know?
1: Yeah. And Mark, obviously, Keenan O'Neill has done some great work. Probably didn't get Kildare as far as he would have liked. Jack O'Connor's in now. But I remember looking at Irma Kildare this year in the league. Kildare were very poor, like, Irma really hammered them. Is this now where the Kildare players need to stand up? Like they've had Keen O'Neill and now Jack O'Connor, two top managers really. So they can't really bring the excuse back to the management. I think it's really the players need to stand
0: up. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know what's going on with MSP setup, but um, I was, and no more so than what Johnny said there. Um, I was interested to see how Jack O'Connor's on, but you know, going on league form. They're, you know, bottom, you know, third bottom, I think, in two. But maybe, you know, maybe they had a, maybe they, as what Johnny's have to say, maybe they were trying to peak for, further down the line. You know, you never know. That, you know, Jack O'Connor is a cute carry man. And we spoke there about uh, they had, over the years, power and size, but they lacked that bit of craftiness and goodness, you know. And maybe Jack O'Connor, you know, could, could bring that, you know, as... As, as as Johnny said, they have to build them to the sense of the upper twenties. In my view, looking at where where Tiller is situated, it's it's prime t- you know, it's too it's too it's too near to build buy a house of government at the minute. You've you've bordering counties like Tulare, like Loud, um, uh, you know, like Meath and stuff like that. They, they they have to feed from them. They're going to find players in my view over the next few years, and I don't think that they would probably a better man the have than a cute carry man as we would to find these players. So um you just don't know. I, I was interested to see how, how they would go. Like last year, as, as we said, I seen them against Donegal last year and i, 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 I honestly did leave at half time for man to beat them last year. So this is not a this is not a squad that we would we you know this is not it this is a team that we were looking maybe at being you know competitive in Super Race and getting beat, you know, getting well, well beat by Donegal with no fight uh, and even to that that wasn't it. So, you just you just never, you never know what kind of stuff Jeremy was trying, trying to do this year. Um, he knows, he does probably know he has a lot of abundance of just coming through and uh, it'll be interesting to see them, you know, flourish hopefully over the next, next two years. So, there's no more like Ross Common We said two weeks ago. You want to see more teams competing at the highest level. That's what we want. We know we don't want to the same same year that the four semi finals are Tyrone, Donegal, Kerry, Galway, Mayo. You want to see Russ Connors, You want to see Tildare. You want to see Monaghan. You know, as many teams as possible because that's what's going to make our chances better. So, um, I just want I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't um write off John Connor and there just yet. So we see a bit more of them, but um, he definitely he definitely brings something different to the fold in my opinion. But he has the to go back to that word consistency it's alright in playing one match in Newbridge or over or, or and getting everybody going and it's, the thing's great you have to back them their the performances up and to, to want anything you have to be consistent through a whole season you know and uh, we just have to wait and see
1: Yeah we'll have to move on to the team now uh, it's just getting the better of us so I'm going
2: to pick 1 to 7 from Kildare, and then Merrick pick 8 to 15. So, John, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, on my me list here, uh, you know, I was debating on it. So, but I probably felt some fellas probably going to be feel a bit harsh on this now. But, like, the fact that the last time Kildare won a Leicester Championship was in 2000, and they bet my better salves, um, I find it hard not to include, like, to, to give them the nod because the lads have had 20 years to win more, and they haven't. So, I'm going to be a little bit harsh yeah. on that one. So like the last one. <laughs> so if anyone's offended, I apologise. But um, I went with Christy Bourne and Gold. Um, now Peter Kelly, uh, cornerback, McFoley fullback, uh, number four Brian Lacey, um, number five Emmett Bolton, uh, six Glenn Ryan and seven Anthony Rainbow. Mm-hmm. I the two lads, the Peter Kelly and Mick Foley got in, but it's gonna be. You know, but the fact that they they all star material, I suppose they got a the little bit of a nod. Um, and I probably and Emma Bolton and Bolton's quality footballer. but the uh, the likes of uh, Mr. Brian Lacey, um, Glen Moy and Anthony Rainbow, you know, uh, players you would want in your in in, in your team. You know, Warriors that always put their bodies on the line. They very good footballers and uh, yeah, they're the, they're they seven. Over to you, Mark. <laughs> good man, John.
0: Good man, Johnny. Hey, um. You had the easy one, I think. But anyway, it's the same. I, 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 have never picked a team of any sort, uh, for any paper or radio. So I don't. I, I, nobody's going to really care what I say. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But uh, I went with the midfield of Darrell German early. Um, Darrell I suppose, only for I, was, I remember he destroyed us. You're on about that game in 2011. He destroyed us that year. Um, uh, he had a really, really big match, and I, I think he. You know, if I remember right, he was injured a, a lot over his um, career. He could have been a real, real, um, if, if you know, if he, if he wasn't as injured as much. He was, he was athletic, he was fit, he was a class runner. But that's the midfield I'm going with. Um, Half-barred line of Padre Gunil, Eamon Callan and Ron Sweeney. Same thing again, you know, just workhorses, you know. Um, Eamon Callan was always good for two or three points a game. You know, he he was only up to maybe a year or two, he was still playing, you know. Um, but, um, you know, you're looking, maybe at, you could have put in Paddy Brophy or Paul Criven there. Uh, James Cavanaugh, I know he played maybe inside. But again, a big man. My, 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 my full forward line was, again, I went with people I kind of played against, maybe more, Neil Kelly, Daniel Flynn and Johnny Doyle. Uh, Neil Kelly, you know, he burst onto the scene. He could have probably, probably should have and could have had uh, a better career. But he was a top, top footballer, in my opinion. Uh, Daniel Flynn, we've seen him, I know he was away last year, uh, class footballer, and uh, Johnny Doyle, hey, there's no real uh, debate in that one, I think. But yeah, the, the boys, then, uh, you know, as I said, Cribbon, Brophy, Kavanagh, um, they could all make a case for themselves. Um, but if, if, if they had all of them, I think, playing, as we spoke about forward, if they were all together at a certain time, I'm, I, I'm sure till I would have done a lot more, but that's just 20 years of football the book goes on like that.
1: Well that's great lads, thanks a million for your time this week and that's all on part one of the Backdoor Football Show for this week. In part two of the Backdoor Football Show, I'm delighted to be joined by AFL star uh, Luke Cowie, um, he plays with the Gold Coast and formerly Sligo.
3: Um, Luke, how's all in Australia, I suppose, getting back to a normality over there? Yeah, it is not. And luckily enough, now, Australia wasn't as affected as badly as as other countries. I think there's only been a 100 deaths so far, which is good. So this seems of a uh, good hold on it. The AFL now is returning on the 11th of June. So I've just completed basically a two week quarantine in Melbourne in a hotel. So it's not been ideal um, hotel room. Um, so I'm heading to Gold Coast now on Saturday and get back to training.
1: And did you have to stick to any programs or
3: anything when you're in the isolation or at home uh, and out? Yeah, so at home I had a pretty, pretty intense running, running program just to kind of maintain my fitness and maintain my conditioning. Obviously, gym was involved in that, so I was down to six, maybe three runs a week and maybe um, three or four or five sessions a week and then gym sessions nearly every day. I um, suppose when I came in here, a bit more limited to what I have access to. I have a bike that was put into the roof and I have a couple of weights so I've been doing bike sessions most days and a weight sessions most days but just trying to do what I can to do and keep mobile and stretch and get ready to get back into training on, you know, on Monday. Was ever always something you wanted to do from a young age yourself? Not at all, no. It um, wasn't on my radar really at all. Um, I suppose a uh, fellow county man, one of my friends, Red Oak Murphy, he was signed initially the year before me. and That was kind of the first time that it came onto my radar. Even then it was kind of still nothing I kind of aspire to achieve. Um, I was just playing with Sligo and playing with my club and I was enjoying that. Um, and then just one day out of nowhere I just got a phone call from a man called George Sholly. He was kind of a recruit who flies over to Ireland for a couple of weeks during the year and... He called me and asked me what I like to come into UC and do a couple of sessions, and um, just to kind of call maybe thirty lads, twenty yeah, twenty to thirty lads down, and and Red og was one of them lads. So I kind of went to his house the night before, and and, and then went down to Dublin that day and um, for my first session. And it kind of from there I got a bit of a taste for it, and um, I really liked the idea of it. I obviously playing a sport is, is something everyone kind of wants to do, and uh, kind of when I got the opportunity from there, kind of grew from there. And you obviously went to that AFL draft, and there's obviously a lot of Gaelic
1: footballers going to them drafts every year. You see Matthew Ryan and a few different lads from AO. What's actually involved in the draft itself?
3: Yeah, so it's it's kind of called, it's called a, a kind of a combine, an AFL combine. Um, so they they pull, I think it was maybe 20 lads, it could be more. I think 20 lads get selected out of the gr- initial group. To, to compete in a combine. So a combine is basically, you've probably seen the NFL combine, and people are probably aware of that, just various type, types of testing. So what happened was we, we all got invited to that and we stayed, stayed in, uh, I think it was a Louis Fitzgerald Hotel in Dublin and we stayed there for two nights and basically we were just, there was a couple of scouts from different clubs and were there over the two days. And it was just kind of various things of testing. So the first day I remember we sat down, we all met each other, and we done a bit of introduction of what it was about, what we would beaten in. Again, I don't think many lads had much preparation for these combines in terms of, besides the sessions that we've done, but we kind of came in, kind of, we're not really sure what we're doing, a bit of running and things like that. But what we do, the first day then, we got up and we kind of competed in a combine. So a combine, basically, what we'll be doing is running, sprinting, uh, jumping tests, uh, agility tests, um, and all these things. And you're measured in all these things, and there's scouts watching you and they're kind of taking note of what, of what to do. Then the next day, it's a game, so you can, it's more game-based. All the hard stuff, the yo-yo tests and all the things are done, and you get outside and you get to kick a bit of balls. Uh, not that there are any good at right now, but I suppose remember it was aggressive. with a couple of big hits, I suppose lads are just trying to prove themselves, and lucky enough from that then, I was left four lads from RMA, who's now with Essendon, and. Uh, Pater Morgan from De Gaulle and Ronan Debricks from Oxford and the four of us were selected to go to Melbourne for a two-week trial. And
1: did you know yourself that you'd done well that day uh, from your own performance in the draft?
3: Um, I felt... I kind of went into it just knowing what my strengths were. I think that was important. I knew my sprinting and my agility would be would be my, my two main things that I could kind of excel in. Other things maybe my, my yoga test wouldn't have been as good. Um, and so, my fitness like was at a good standard, but I suppose it wouldn't be something that I would like pride my game on. But my 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 speed and my agility were my main thing, So I was happy enough with them. I remember not being too happy with my sprint, but like I ended up coming, I ended up coming up second in the end. And I think Ross Ross won in that. But I remember coming. I think like, the things I've done, the things that are my strengths, I felt I'd done well in, and I and I ended up I always had a fair idea that I'd done decent enough. Um, but I still had no indication. I think a couple, couple, a couple of scouts and say you've done well and you've done really well, but you don't actually have, have no um, But I had a fixed idea of what I'd done, and as I said, yeah, I kind of focused on my strengths, and I felt, I felt confident like and and obviously,
1: if you do get selected from the AFL draft, it's still a long process really to go and to make your mark in the AFL. You obviously have your European combine when
3: you're invited over. Um, so it's really been a long process to get to where you're today. Yeah, it is It is quite a long process. Now, for some lads, it can be quite quick. Some lads can just wake up one morning and, and they're signed. But for me personally, it was quite a long process. I. um Obviously, completed the combine um, and then it was kind of a waiting game to see if I'd get picked for Melbourne. Find out about a month before we went to Melbourne, they got selected. But for that month, waiting to go felt like an eternity, it felt like a year. But I remember waiting for that, going over to Melbourne. Obviously, you were nervous, you were kind of impressed. So, I prepared pretty well for that and um, got out there. And then when I came back, it was like, oh, it felt, felt like ever. I felt like I was. I was being told, like, in the next 24 hours, you might hear that you're getting signed. But then 24 hours turned into a month, and a month turned into a couple more months. And it just kind of felt like it was going on forever. And it was kind of tough for me because I was playing at my club and I was playing at my county, but I always had this in the back of my mind. I probably would have been better off being told I either have it or I don't. Whereas I felt like I just had this in the back of my mind all the time. And, but eventually then I, I was lucky enough to, to get offered and go the once they rang me up and... After a bit of interest from a couple of the clubs, um, the GoPro rang me up and just firstly told me told me that they'd fly me over in the next week or two for a trial. Um, so it was kind of, that was kind of quick. I was, in about two weeks from the call, I was over in Australia again, and I was there for about a week into the trip. I was lucky to get offered a contract.
1: And that trial, it was obviously probably tough for you personally. You're trying to prove yourself to everyone that you're over here for a reason and you want to make a So it was obviously tough that trial as well.
3: Of course, yeah, you probably build it up more in your own head more than anything. And I felt when I got over there, when I was obviously nervous and I wanted to be at my peak fitness, like getting over there and, and my body to be in good shape, I got over there and I, I probably built it up a lot in my head. When I got there initially, they, they obviously wanted me to do different, different things like train and things. But the thing is, they don't really expect much from you, if you get what I mean. So if you do anything good... They think, wow, that's, 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 you know, in the trial, they think, wow, that's amazing. They, they see something that they can work with and they take it on. So, maybe they've got a ball, landed, like they think like that's that's even, but I suppose, I'll put it in perspective. It was kind of more of a familiar, familiarization process where I met the players, met the club. They kind of want to see the person and see if they fit into kind of the organization that they have and the football club that they have. They were happy enough with how I, got, and how I fit it in. So, I uh, have to get off with the
1: contract and did you find it tough like adapting to the skills you're obviously playing gay like all your life uh
3: and then you go to the oval shaped ball is that hard to get used to oh absolutely i'm still still trying to get used to it and um, it's a completely a completely different sport as as a lot of people might tell you it's very similar but from what my life experience there is aspects of it that are similar but it's very very different obviously the skills are something that i am focused on majorly at the start um, I've been really focusing on the kicking, the catching, the handballing, all these little things that you kind of have to nail because the lads out here are, so as, as it is in, at home, like you can see intercounty footballers, like their touch and everything is just immaculate. So out here, it's a new ball, so I'm kind of back to scratch. And these lads have been doing it all their lives and they're pretty, pretty good at it, as you can imagine. So it's kind of just about learning. I think as the more I have the footy in my hands and the more I'm practicing, the better I'll get. So that's all I'm, all I'm aiming to do. And is, it's obviously hard now for you during your
1: isolation to be practicing uh, with your skills, is it?
3: Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> I've nearly broke a couple of lights in here kicking the ball. Um, yesterday, the close call, I kicked the ball up against the lamp. i we put on the lights and I made a big crash. So I've taken that back, and a few doors have nearly come off. But I know I'm I'm trying to get as much as you can. You, you kind of find ways, I suppose, when you're on your own for two weeks, you kind of find ways to do things that have been. Rolling the ball in the ground and trying to pick it off, but doing kicks. I've actually had the couch like kind of kick into the couch and things like that. So it's not fair, but it's nothing. And um, I suppose you keep carrying the ball, which is the same. Thing. When I was at home playing Gaelic, I always did a football with me. I was always going into the pitch practice and things like that. So basically back to start again. Was it a tough decision to leave Gaelic football for you? Um. Yeah, it really was. Personally, it was, obviously, I grew up my whole life wanting to play for Sligo, wanting to play for my club, um, and I had nothing more I wanted to do. Um, football literally meant everything to me. Like, I lived and breathed it. I, uh, whatever, you know, like, if I didn't have it, I don't know what I would have done. Um, Everything I'd done was kind of, was probably wrong, but everything I'd done was kind of aimed towards football. Um, I used to be down to the pitch practising all the time. You know, it's pretty cliche, like, Vlad saying that, but generally, like, I just loved doing it. It was tough to make the decision in the end because at near near the start of the process, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted it. But then as it went on, it was something that I felt I really wanted. And I'm the type of person that if I want to get something, I have to give everything to it. So I feel a lot of things sacrificed because I had to do that. Like my club probably sacrificed a bit, and my county probably sacrificed as well. But it was just something that I felt I really wanted to do and really wanted to achieve. And I felt in order to do that, I had to like put everything into it, and I probably done that, and and it was it was very tough for me to do that, and um, but in the end, I know I suppose I got I got what I wanted, and I have the opportunity now to play in the AFL and just see see how see where it takes me. Um, you went over as a rookie, and there's obviously a category A and a category B. Uh, what's the main difference there, uh, Luke? Yeah, so a category B rookie is what basically Irish lads are signed as. So a category B B rookie. It basically means that you're, you won't be able to play a senior game in, until you get put to a Category A or someone gets injured. So if, if someone on my team, God forbid, hopefully nothing happens, they won't even get injured. And I think it's if it's a six to eight week injury or anything above that, you can be then promoted to, to the Category A or onto the main list to be selected for selection. So that's basically the main difference. The Category A rookie is able to play senior games, Category B, Asked to either wait until he's pushed up in list or if, if someone gets him. And you
1: were playing with the development squad for your club um, before uh
3: lockdown. Do you feel you were making your mark um at that level playing for them? Well, I'd only played one game, so I I wouldn't say make my mark, I suppose more than anything I was learning. I was trying to learn. I have, a, I have a long way to go in my development. I've only started out. I do feel I was improving every day. Um, I felt a massive improvement from after Christmas. Um, I hurt my wrist then just around Skybury time and I was out for a couple of weeks with that. But once I got back from that, I was, I was going really well again. I felt just the week before I left Australia, I had one of my best sessions and I was sitting down with my coach and I was talking to him about it and he was really happy with how it was going at that stage and just kind of felt I was getting used to it. Um, so I felt I was I was definitely improving, definitely getting better. But I've a have to learn. I'm really eager to learn. And I think that's the most important thing: putting plans in place and and setting goals and things like that. So that's that's the main thing.
1: Pierce Hanley's obviously been uh, involved with uh, the Gold Coast. Has he helped you massively
3: uh, in your career so far? Yeah, oh absolutely. And I, I, there's a long way to go with with that. You know, I suppose when I go back now that first thing I'll be doing is hopefully linking up with Pierce now and he, he was injured for the start of the season so he's back playing and I would sit down and watch. I'd learn so much from him. He's he's a brilliant understanding of the game, I do a lot of my teammates like approach. You know, they're all very approachable. I do want to learn from them, I can just ask them they sit down with me and and they do what they do what every question They try to answer the best better. But of course he's done he's had an amazing career and he's done kind of what I want want to do. So he's a great role model to have and so Kind of mould. Um, I met other players and say to me like, if you've any, if you have any questions at all, just ask me because you won't too far wrong with the question.
1: And obviously, the daily routine as a professional player is being affected now due to the coronavirus. But what's usually your your routine on a daily basis as a player?
3: Yeah, so I suppose it all it all depends. And um, it's obviously completely different now to what I used to, was used to used to at home. And it's different, obviously, with the coronavirus and all them things. But at home, obviously, everyone knows what that's like. But when, when you're out here, I suppose, depending on the day. Well, so I'd say, for example, like the main main training session uh, on the Monday and on a Sunday, I suppose you'd be getting up, you'd be staying. Well, you know, you have a big day. I think the massive part of it is probably rest and and fueling up for the set. So you don't want to be doing too much, too much exerting things, things that are going to make you tired. Make sure you get your sleep in. Wake up and t- kind of. Eating eating well, carbs, getting a lot of carbs and trying to kind fuel of yourself up. And um, then I suppose when you go in on the Monday, you go in and see the physio and uh, they give you a rub, they kinda they kinda assess you for training. Get ready for training, you go into the gym, do your, your activation work, get out in the field, and do a training in the heat. It's very grueling, two, three hours out in the field. And um, they're long, long sessions, but they're they're brilliant. Uh, you come in then, get a bit of food into the gym do a gym session and um, after the gym then you might have meetings for a couple hours an hour or two and um, then you might go see the physios just before you go get maybe massage time or just any niggles or anything like that you can get checked up on that and um, then probably do a bit of recovery with and get onto the normative boots um, and then home eat dinner and um, maybe go for a coffee or something. Bed, and it's. It's kind of nearly eat, train, sleep, repeat. Basically, that's what it is. And um, at pre-season, especially, it, you can you don't have any energy to do anything else, literally.
1: And what did you find was the main difference between playing AFL as a professional and playing uh, Gaelic football
3: with Sligo? Yeah, so I think the main thing that I've I've had a chat to a couple of people about this, and I think. Obviously, the preseason is a massive difference. The, the endurance that you have to have for the sport is crazy. so like you couldn't even compare the training because it's just it's so intense and brutal in AFL. And um, the main difference, though, that I've kind of pinpointed is, I think when I was playing Gaelic, and I think every Gaelic player says this, you just know what you have to do and you know where you need to be. And if you want to get the ball, you're able to go get the ball. You know, it's nearly it's not complicated. Let, if, yeah, it might have a tactic, but a way might have one roll just down that line. And a, a sweeper might have one roll, six in the midfield. Whereas when you're playing AFL, and I've only played one game, but from trainings and things like that. But you have to be thinking all the time, like, am I in the right position? Where's my man? Where's the ball? If my man is in dangerous, I need to get off him and, and protect someone else. Then there's stoppages, so it's, really, it's like a it's like a hot ball. The NFL. It's a hot ball, but there's a for that hot ball for you, to give you the best opportunity to win the ball firstly, and to offer protection if the ball doesn't go away. So if a midfielder wins it, you can make sure that you have everything cut off, so it doesn't make it forwards to win it that way. So you have to be thinking all the time, and I suppose that's the thing that are probably struggling the most to terms I'm definitely getting better with it, but the sort only of way I'll be able to, I suppose, the fact that is playing games and, and learning that.
1: And you're obviously playing as a defender, and I was doing some looking back at your games. You've kind of played wing forward and wing back in football. Did you find um, positions between AFL and Gaelic football a big difference in between both of your games?
3: Yeah, so Are you are you speaking about in terms of Gaelic or are you talking about AFL?
1: Gaelic kind of in AFL, going from wing forward to defender as in AFL.
3: Yeah, I suppose so. It is they say in AFL that that the half forward, the half back, Irish lad, and this is because it's kind of the easiest place to learn. You kind of have it's just like Gaelic, you have a view of the whole field and you can kind of see what's going on and you can start the attacks from there. So it's very similar in that way. Um, I suppose half forward is a bit different, but I suppose nowadays a half forward is what is a half forward like a half forward to back, half back. To back you know what I mean? So, I, I suppose when I was playing centre forward, it's probably a more central role. It's probably someone who holds. That is a bit different, definitely. Um, but I always found that as a as a centre forward or a wing forward, I always felt self. I was always going back, try starting attack deep. I felt that was the biggest strength. So if I was half forward. I might just kind of dip back, just run the midfield, center back, try pick up all there and carry it through. That was my my biggest. Thing I felt so I kind of in. I when you go out here and play back out here, quite simple. I'm in the exact same position on the field, trying to break lines. I feel that could be my biggest strength when I come when I start playing games, yeah, trying to break lines and and, and run through defenses, create attacking opportunities. So it is quite similar in that way. All that I said before, attack and all and all different but in terms of actual positioning on the field and what you can bring to it. On the field, so. Do you feel you're far away from the first team in Gold Coast, uh, making your breakthrough? Yeah, look, I feel look I, I, I in very early days in my career, I've I've been probably four months there, four months, so a brand new sport in four months. I have a lot to learn, loads to learn. I still feel I have to play I've only played one game, like it could take me 14, 15 games before I'm comfortable even with the course. Never mind the first time, but it's something obviously like I'm a very goal, goal-minded person. Um i set targets for myself and obviously the end goal is to make the first team. and um, that is my end goal. I wouldn't I wouldn't be out here if that wasn't my goal. But I'm looking at setting short, small, achievable goals that you can see and see improvements, but I don't feel there's any point saying going out on some Monday now, I want to go back training, right my goals to make the first team because I just don't find that work. If I'm setting small goals, so for example, when I go back now, I might be just uh, make two turnovers in a soccer game or, or carry three times or receive five handballs off a couple of lads, start seeing them goals and then start building myself, speaking pitches, watching vision, uh, learn as much as I can and, and hopefully that, that uh, that position in the first time
1: was. Obviously, a lot of Irish lads have went over and it hasn't worked out for one reason or another. Homesickness
3: seems to be a big issue. Did you find that tough at the start uh, when you came over? I'm very lucky, I, I found I found at the moment I haven't been homesick really at all because I suppose the big reason would be I came over in November, I was home in December and then of course this COVID-19 thing happened so I was home there in March. But that wouldn't have happened, Um, I would have been there from January till probably September, which is uh, way longer still. Um, So I feel I was lucky, I haven't suffered homesickness really at all yet and I'm sure it'll come. I have had obviously had a couple of bad days, um, but the club are really supportive and I have good friends and obviously my girlfriend and I have um, mom and dad and my brother at home. So I I text them and talk to them whenever I kind of feel a bad day. The only time I felt I had kind of a couple of bad days was when I might have been injured, I hurt my wrist, as I said, and I didn't take that. I took well, I obviously took it all right in the end, but it kind of was tough for to me because I felt I was kind of just getting into my stride, but that scared up after a week back into it. So I feel probably the biggest thing to do out here will be when lads are injured and they're not training and they're just sitting there and it's rude and they're in the weight room and they're rehabbing. That's probably the worst part of it. And is there. Do- I suppose
1: there hasn't
3: been much GA played, but is there a GA bond between all the Irish lads who are playing in the AFL? There definitely is so all the all the Irish lads are much closer very close contact with each other. Um I'm here with seven six of the other Irish lads are here with me in this hotel. We're obviously can't see each other but we're on the phone nearly every day. Um so that's been that's been absolutely brilliant. And um, if you make real good friends out of them, I suppose I'd probably be Ross McQuillan, I done I went through the whole process with him. Um so we spent a good bit of time together and then obviously like some the lads that are in here, I mean Akeem McBride and other lads that are going we James Madden, Callum Brown, they're all in here now. So it's been it's been it's been real good. And um, but all outside are successful. So Connor McKenna was in here as well. He actually got out a week earlier, which is very lucky. He he came over a bit earlier than us. They're all, even the older Irish lads, they're just all so helpful, and they really do understand. They've been through it all to, all before, so any way they can help is 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 they're more than happy to do. Obviously, the pitch is fairly big in
1: AFL, and you have your different scores, uh, what they're worth compared um, to Gaelic football. Um Is that something you found hard? Like you're obviously going for a goal and a point, and then when you come to AFL. One point is worth a wide,
3: and it's worth nothing in Gaelic. Did you find that a big change? It is, yeah. I do be slagging. I do be slagging the the coaches, saying that. Oh, geez, Well, in my sport, you don't you don't get a point. You don't get rewarded for missing. So they don't like that one, and because obviously, from people mightn't be familiar with it, the, the the middle is six points, and then there's two posts. It's kind of like two more goals either side, and they're one. Um so, and there's no net, obviously. So, I suppose. I haven't found. I'm haven't been up near the goals too much to be honest. I'm in the back, so I haven't been up there a lot. But it's not. It's not too difficult. It's. It hasn't been too bad to come terms. Of. I suppose me personally, and just like any other AFL player. They don't really want to get the ones, so it kind of is taken like a miss. To be honest, one point. I suppose if you're a draw a game and you kick it, it's um. It's obviously going to get you one point and win you the game, but. I think everyone obviously is aiming for the middle post, and obviously, I always done that when I was might not done too well now, but I always tried to aim for the middle post as well when I was back home. So, I haven't found it too bad. And um, it's it's not much, it's not much different to be honest. Obviously, goals, there's no net, is a bit different, but you're still sticking between them two middle posts.
1: And the professional lifestyle must be something really pleasing, like to be a professional sports athlete.
3: Oh, it is, yeah. No, look, it's you're probably I'm trying to be grateful for it in the time it's all people always say it's very hard to kinda of appreciate things kinda of when you're in them but I do really appreciate the position I'm in and the opportunity that I've been given. And um, I try to be grateful for it every day as much as possible and, and and really really enjoy it and embrace it. Um I don't want it to kind of be something that experience that I just kind of forget about in a couple or not forget about in a couple of years but experience that I kind of, it goes by too quickly and I kind of miss it and I miss it in the moment and then in a couple of years I'm thinking back and thinking geez i had that still so so I'm really trying to embrace it and and give it my everything because I want to make the most of the opportunity and and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do so the professional lifestyle is is amazing and it is what it's built up to be you train but it's very tough as well I think it's easy you just go train but it's it is a full job and everything even what you're eating you have to watch, and what you're drinking if you're going you can't be going out too much Yeah, I have to live the life of an athlete and um, I suppose it's what you're expected to do and you you can't, you can't kind of fall away from that at all. You'll be punished. And is it hard to keep your nutrition and everything up during
1: lockdown uh, when you're in quarantine and you're back home in Ireland, like that you could be tempted by even a few beers or a drink? Did you find that hard?
3: Oh, well, I love the beers. Obviously, like everyone does, and um, well, not everyone, <laughs> but yeah, like obviously, when you're home, like you want to have a couple of beers, and and yeah, like I don't nothing against that, but it's all in moderation. I always say healthy balance. In fairness, uh, before when I was playing It, my nutrition would have been, I suppose, decent. It would have been all right. It wasn't something I majorly focused on. But now, when I'm when I'm here, I've completely I've completely changed. Like it's it's they like measure your skin folds here and like you have to be under a certain amount a certain body percent, fat percentage so you really do and it's really worked like I'm literally watching what I'm eating kind of all the time now and when I'm at home like it might be little silly things like not having bread with my breakfast or something like that but like and my mom and dad would be looking at me like are you mad and all this but like these little things like they're just there's things that you kind of have to do sometimes just to kind of keep keep the nutrition right and like when you're training you're loading up on carbs but when you're not training and your days off like kind of stay away from them because it's kind of energy you're not going to be using them but obviously that like, you know when you're at home it's it's you, you try to find a balance and a healthy balance is is always important from listening to all the kind of athletes you might have i was listening to roy Keane recently and he was saying when he was at man united he went through a phase of of kind of really like focusing too hard on what he was eating and his body fat percentage went ridiculously low and it didn't do him any benefits so he's now back to when he, when he's near the end of his career just a healthy balance and i think that works, works.
1: Um, Obviously, your Gold Coast first team didn't start the season off the way they would have liked. um, But, how do you see this Gold Coast uh, team doing this season? Um, Obviously, they've lost
3: one game and it was a heavy defeat, but a lot more of the season to be played. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, the team, we have a very extremely young team. Um, We have, but the young players we have are exceptionally talented. The likes of Isaac Rankin—he hasn't played a game for us yet—but he's going to be a star. Ben King, Jack Rafousis, Matt Rowell, Noah Anderson—all these these young lads are like top top ten players in the in the country for their age, like, and they've been drafted in the last two or three years. So the club I'm at isn't old; it's about, it's a nine-year-old club, and they're just basically building and and trying to create a culture which they're implementing really well out here. This is kind of the start of them; they've just started building in the last two years. They managed to we re-signed twenty one players this year, which was always a struggle before because lads and then they'd leave to go to a Melbourne club. But this year twenty one players sign on. and um, which is absolutely fantastic. And we're really trying to build a culture and kind of create a winning culture and a culture that's gonna bring success to the club. I believe we have the players but it's about as I said that culture and it's also important.
1: And um, we obviously played for Sligo um, seniors for a while, and obviously the last few years it hasn't well went as well for Sligo as they would have liked. But it is a very young t- Sligo team coming. But uh, did you enjoy your time playing with Sligo, and can you see the Sligo team
3: further developing? Yeah, absolutely. So underage, we actually we actually done quite well underage. We were in a, con- a Connacht final, It was my first year minor. We lost to Roscommon in the semi final by a point in the Connacht semi final, and. Probably the best Lyra team I ever played on, but we just kinda we were one three to no score up after five minutes and we just kinda threw it away. Remember that day was heartbreaking. So that was a tough that was probably the best play team I ever played on. The talent on that team was amazing. Then the next year, funny enough, we, we didn't have the individual talents, but we came together as a collective. And we, we got to the quarter final that year and we we played Derry in an all ireland quarter final and lost it by a point and Derry went on to the All ireland final that year. So and that was another day so i suppose it's all them little ages them little things that just kind of get you over the line and um, especially so young underage book with sligo i absolutely loved playing and it was i kind of finished my career there with the with widow with my kind of last game for sligo in the third against mayo then the 2019 i was called in paul taylor called in for the senior team and i absolutely loved playing with that it was Obviously, you drink. Remember the night he called me. Still, it was outside of my house, and I had a missed call from a number, no number, and I went into dad, and I was just like, I have missed call. From- I, I, said someone rang me there. I didn't get it, and then dad was like, you know, what it is, a copy the the senior manager because one of his mates, his son, plays from as well. And he was told that oh, he was around these nights. So I said, oh Jesus, it might be actually. So I rang him back and said, look, I know what, you know you know what I'm calling you. Yeah, I'm looking to him. And I remember being so happy that. Like, it was like it was something I like always wanted, and I finally got it, and I went in then and trained away and played a couple of games of the league. And um, but then, as I said to you before, when the, the opportunity came up, and I was super positive, and he was he was very good to me, like he, he let me kind of focus on there, and and as I said to you, like I had to kind of cut it short with the County and, and my club because the opportunity was something that I felt I had to give everything to. Then even colleges wise, you won a freshers' title with
1: DCU. Was it hard looking back this year when you seen DCU winning the Sigerson Cup?
3: Yeah, it was very hard. I'm not gonna lie. I remember. Oh, I remember like I'm not complaining about because I'm always. I'm that's why I try to say like yeah. I was looking back there and I was for a day. I remember I was like, oh my god, what would I do to be back? Before? But just you know that way and. I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in so it's kind of it sound like I'm in saying that but obviously i was playing with them lads and I played Circus in the year before and we were quite competitive and we were a really good team we lost to the, the final but looking back that talent team was lovely it was real real good and, but just seeing a couple of lads that I did with them, went to college went and played, played Circus with the year before and winning you do feel kind of like you missed out but there's plenty more I suppose, and it's not nice for a to miss out on an on all our on because we won't get many of them. But look, bigger picture, I'm very lucky to be where I am, and I'm sure if I ever went back to went back to Ireland, I even for a year and mid in DCU, so it might might get another go that. And do you ever see yourself going back playing Gaelic football? Um, say if AFL does work out. Yeah. So it's look, it's very difficult to say. it. At the moment I'm fully I'm literally fully focused on my tunnel vision on this AFL. and um, I'm I'm doing it everything and when I when I go back now on Monday I'm, I'm 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 really, really like setting goals for myself and just trying to get the most out of this. Um but look you can never think of it. Who knows what's gonna happen. Obviously like playing for Sligo, as I said, was, was something that I, I love doing and playing for clubs, something that I love doing so you can never think of it, but fully focused on this, this AFL right now and I'll see what puts me in see what happens in the future. Now, finally,
1: um, to spill a few beans on a couple of your teammates uh, who are playing AFL, um,
3: who would you say is best dressed uh, in the panel? Oh, jeez, you're <laughs> in the spot now. Best, best. I think Sean, Sean Lemon is a pretty pretty good dresser. He's pretty slick. Uh, he's kind of one of the, he's a, he's a nice little forward. Um, but I've seen him a couple of He's pretty slick with his his dressing. Just nice and simple, but quite slick. Um, Worst dressed. Worst dressed. Uh, (laughs) Worst dressed. Who's the worst dresser? I'm going to say Sam Collins, is the worst dresser. He wears these horrible flip-flops and he thinks they look good. Um, Best in training. Best in training. Oh, someone who always sticks out for me is Ben Ainsworth. And he's always just, he's like a little terrier, like he just Real dogged trainer, um, and he's really talented as well. So I think, oh, I from the trainings I've been at, I've always found that he was he was up there, especially in pre-season. Um, worst in training, probably me. <laughs> probably me. So I give it everything, but you know, I'm just I'm just tagging along there. <laughs> um, loves himself. Loves himself. Isaac Rankin. He loves himself. Um, best taste in music. Ooh, Jeremy Sharp. Jeremy Sharp is a nice and uh, That's the lad I'm living with. Jeremy, Jeremy Sharp will tell, but I remember going in the car and, with Jeremy Sharp and he blares out these Unreal playlists. And then the final one for you. Um, your best sporting achievement today. Best sporting achievement today. Uh, oh, probably have to say have to say either, I, I remember I won the under-14 championship and now it's under-14, but under-14 a championship with my club and it, that was the biggest deal ever for me at the time, but I have, have to say the freshers all the Ireland with DCU, I suppose, something I always dreamed of was winning Not Ireland and I remember the day it happened, it was just absolutely amazing. I don't remember much after it, but I remember the moment when I got it, it was it was absolutely amazing. Well
1: Luke, thanks a million for your time and
0: best of luck and uh, hopefully from an Irish perspective you can make the breakthrough. Cheers Paul, thanks very much.